from the TWU Local 591 Union Hall. It's the Local 591 podcast with local president Gary Scheibel. Join Gary and his guests as they discuss topics that impact and affect the careers and lives of union members. Take it away, Gary. Welcome back to the TWU Local 591 podcast. My name is Gary Scheibel, your local president. Joining me today is Mike Bush, our material logistics specialist, executive board member. Both of us were on the negotiating team for the JCBA, and that's what we're going to speak to today. So we're going to do a review. We're not going to go article by article in depth on everything. More of a broad overview and be able to point out the differences between uh, our current contract and something that would be much different going forward or much of an improvement going forward. But before we get started, let's we need to talk about the world that we need now, unfortunately, find ourselves in with the coronavirus COVID-19. There's been a lot of rumors out there, and I want to address two of them in particular. The company has had no talk whatsoever about pulling the tentative agreement off the table. I'm not sure why some have chosen to put this out there, but there's been no talk whatsoever. The second is there's been no talk of a layoff at this point. Uh, The other issue we've been dealing with is the announcement of the in-person vote. And as you know by now that uh, we have switched to an online vote. I'm proud of this local because we were the first local to voice our members' concerns, primarily the Gary Peterson, when the in-person vote was first announced. Our issue when it was first announced was obviously the inability for a lot of our members to vote because they're off, they might be on vacation. Obviously, a lot of those concerns have changed dramatically in the past two weeks to the primary concern being the coronavirus, COVID-19, and putting our members and reps in potential harm's way while conducting an in-person vote. Before a lot of those concerns were being addressed, I can tell you, it was never an issue of attentiveness on the international's part. Definitely more of a logistical, can we make it work with a online vote? So I just want to be clear with that. So with that said, you know, we will proceed like we have in the past with ballot point. This will address both concerns, one being the inability of people to vote because they were on vacation or what have you. We've raised this concern. We've had this issue addressed. It's fixed. I strongly believe as a local that we need to get to as close to 100% turnout based on these concerns in this voting process, because the facts that I've been presenting is that not enough people will vote because it was going to be done in person. So we need to prove everybody wrong and let's turn out and let's get as close to 100% as we can. I'd like to add, Gary, that what a huge accomplishment this was getting this online vote done. And and thanks to you for leading the charge. The members do appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. So now moving to the contracts. So I'm hoping everybody has had a chance to read it. It's been a week that it's been out there. It would be well, a rather long and boring podcast if Mike and I just read the language to you. So we're going to kind of stay to the highlights, fill in some of the blanks that have come through with the questions that have been asked. Um, first and foremost, there's been a question about the $6,000 signing bonus. That will happen. That hasn't been an issue The company hasn't taken that off the table or anything like that. It's simply incorporated into the implementation schedule. So there'll be a letter that will be out before we vote on when everything will be implemented from pay to overtime, the field trip rules to all the things that are built into the contract. You need to know when these things are going to be paid. 
So the $6,000 signing bonus, you'll know exactly when you're going to get it and the conditions of receiving it prior to voting. So moving into the contract itself, the first five articles, you can read them for yourself. They're pretty clear cut, rather short, nothing really to point out that stands out a lot in those articles. So I'm going to move right into uh, scope. And being that this is for line mechanics, I can speak to the line scope itself. I can say that the scope that we have going forward as far as the international outsourcing is far superior than what we currently have. Um, we should see more work coming in-house as a result. We, as, an, as a union, as and inside the airline, should have the most line work being accomplished at any airline anywhere. Aircraft movement's another one that we are finally getting language that actually states that this work actually belongs to us. Um, when there's maintenance being accomplished, when a plane's called out of service, currently it's the language has been more of a either or. Um, we are now going to be the primary to a fleet service being a secondary. So I can safely say that the vast majority of the moves have definitely been secured. That's a good thing for us too. Um, when you speak to the uh, aircraft movements, when you compare it to say United Airlines, they have a language, they, they have language in their contract that allows, as they call it, ramp over there, ramp to do pretty much any of the moves. Same thing when you compare it to say Delta Airlines, obviously it's non-union, they kind of decide who's doing the moves uh, based on who's available. And then Southwest Airlines, they have lost a significant uh, arbitration case that removed uh, pretty much all the aircraft moves from mechanics doing and now fleet service are doing them. The other thing we need to look at when we look at scope is the number of jobs. And that's been one of the battles all along to get the language where it needs to be is line maintenance. We're looking at around 6,100 jobs we currently have. When you compare that to, say, Southwest Airlines, they have 2,000 and United, roughly 5,000 line mechanics. When you look at that number of line mechanics per an aircraft, we're at a little bit over 6.3 mechanics per an aircraft. United's around 6.2 and Southwest is at 2.65. When you think of something like that, you think of all the options for shift bids, vacation choices, all the things that affect your life. I mean, we are more than more than double what Southwest has. So that affords you a lot more options on the job. But what's interesting when you look at these numbers is actually looking at the number of mainline flights per day. So at American... We have 3,050 mainline flights. Southwest has over 4,000 mainline flights, and United has 2,700 mainline flights. Yet at American, we have two mechanics per mainline flight a day. United has 1.85, and Southwest only has a half of a mainline mechanic per flight per day. So with our scope going forward, I don't foresee um, any of these numbers shrinking. In fact, we have secured all the work, the scheduled work domestically going forward and on line maintenance. So then when we look at the, what is currently called our Title II folks, GSC and facilities, look at their scope. We will definitely be protecting more jobs than any other airline out there. When you do a comparison to, say, Southwest Airlines, I mean, tremendous amount more jobs in uh, GSC and facilities. So let me let Mike touch on uh, the stores. So store scope primarily covers MLSs will be staffed everywhere. AMTs are at all line stations and base locations. There's also language in there covering any on or off site facilities, meaning the company has been buying, renting, building off site locations just to store parts, which is fine with us as long as our MLSs are in there doing the work. So we had to put some language to that to cover that. 
there's language in there where we're going to maintain airline parts and tooling inventory wherever parts are stocked. So at all locations, stores will cover that work. The system and job protection and parallel operations language is mirrored to the MNR book. So there's no differences in that. Okay. So since you mentioned the uh, job protections, uh, let me just touch on that now. With the contract, I'm going to put the world that we're living in to the side for a second. The system and station protection simply is by far the best in the industry. You are guaranteed a job in your station throughout the life of the contract. So with, with the language that we now have in the contract, we have learned our lesson from uh, force majeure events in the past, uh, like the one that happened at Northwest Airlines, where thousands of mechanics lost their job permanently because of SARS which was happening nearly 10,000 miles away. Even though it wasn't having any impact on the operation anywhere near the United States, the decision was made to eliminate jobs using that. So learning from our past, and we have language in there now that if something like that were to happen, as the operation spools back up, you would have a lifetime recall right and come back to your home station. So going into the Article 7 and 8 classification qualifications, one thing that you're going to see in the maintenance book, and it's very detailed on exactly what your classification is. It's very detailed on the qualifications. You're also going to find quite a few new positions like quality assurance auditors, technical documentation specialists, and planners, senior maintenance planners and maintenance planners. And I know there's a lot of uh, new positions uh, in Mike's book. Yeah, that's right, Gary. There's going to be two groupings, the material logistics groups and then the logistics planning group is what they're calling them. But ours is the old tech crew chief, crew chief, MLS. And then the logistics planning group will be the senior planners, uh, material planners and AOG MCU planners, which will be new to us and new to our book. Okay. And then there's also a new book. Uh, The maintenance training specialists are in their own book as a result of decisions made by the National Mediation Board years ago. One of the things that you'll see in the MNR, the Mechanic Related book, is a letter for a 30-day escape clause. So if they want to remain in the mechanic ranks, they can. All right. One of the other key issues in um, classifications is the crew chief ratio. Now, if there's three or more at the large stations on their shift, each location, shop, department, hangar, whatever, uh, one of them will be a crew chief. At the smaller stations, four or more, one of them will be a crew chief, which is uh, an improvement over what we had previously. Yes. So today we have a system-wide ratio. Tomorrow we're going to actually have a ratio based on each, within each station, within each shift. And what is the maximum number of employees that can work under one crew chief? As written, it's 16 employees per. Okay. So another area that we've had a big improvement on is in the furlough benefits. Um, You get up to 17 weeks paid now, and that's actually paid weekly. And when you're still on essentially on payroll, you're also eligible to keep your active medical, which is significantly less than COBRA. So that's a big improvement. Uh, Moving on to Article 14, Hours of Service. Inside of that, there is language for 410s. There has to be a business case to remove or add. There's an active voice now put back in for the union. There's also, inside of that article, there's going to be three bids a year. Those bids will take place everywhere in January, May, and September. And there's also what's called a realignment bid. 
is one of them a year. So if there was a big schedule change, they can do a complete rebid. However, it doesn't change the fact that we're still doing our bids in January, May, and September. So in reality, there could be a bid for three or four weeks if they had some kind of schedule change. Is there anything you need to add there, Mike? Yeah, in the stores book, we kept the book language for the 410 language that we previously had. And also, in addition, there is 12-hour shifts that are in reference to our uh, AOG planners. That's the only place that that would affect, and it's over the IAM planner category. So we're also going to the three standard eight-hour shifts. Starting times, first shift will not be earlier than 0600, not later than 0800. Second shift, start no earlier than 30 minutes prior to the end of the first shift. And the third shift will not start earlier than 30 minutes prior to the end of the second shift. There's also language in here addressing adverse condition days uh, when the federal, state, or local government reports emergencies or curfews and stuff like that. There's language that addresses that and how we can use comped or accumulated time to pay for that. It references hats, which are going to be hour at a time, which again will be new language in our book, something we'll have to get used to, hats hour at a time in hour increments. You'll be able to utilize any compensated time, excluding block vacation and sick for some of these adverse condition days where you're unable to report for work. Okay. And then there's also a language in there that we kept our two flex RLs. So if you're running late to work. Right. That'll be the 15 minute flex RLs up to 15 minutes. Okay. So moving into shift swaps, I get a lot of questions on this. So you're able to give away, literally give away 32 days a quarter. And there's language in there. You can do double, double, single. There's a max of two doubles in a row in one week, but there's nothing prohibiting additional doubles after you go back to a single. So is there anything else we need to know about shift swaps? Yeah, they need to pay attention to paragraph E because the offenses, the written warning, and then the first one is uh, 180 day suspensions, which would be different than what our policies currently had. So we have to be mindful of that. Also, there's language that if you do your 32 offs, that's fine. But if you see us off in addition and you make up that shift within the 30-day period, it's considered a wash. So it does not go against your 32 CS offs or shift swap, which is what we're calling it now. So moving into the everybody's favorite subject of compensation, um, I can still speak to the aircraft maintenance line mechanic first. Line mechanics will be making $1 an hour more than an AMT at the highest paid right now, which is over a highest paid airline, which is Southwest Airlines. So $1 an hour higher than Southwest Airlines. There are other premiums, and that's just looking at the regular general AMT. There's also premiums that have gone up for crew chief, inspector, and what have you. Inside of the line maintenance wage, uh, when you look at the uh, base salary, at year nine, you're at 49.20 an hour base salary. At year five, five, six, you're at 47.95. So essentially, we've gone back to our five-year pay scale What's inside of that extra dollar twenty-five an hour is the match on Southwest longevity. However, we're topping out completely at the end of the year eight. Uh, Southwest Airlines it does take fifteen years to where they would be a dollar an hour behind us at year nine. At year five, a mechanic at American Airlines is making nearly two fifty an hour more than a mechanic at Southwest Airlines. 
when you compare us to United Airlines, they also have longevity pay. It takes 12 years to get to full longevity. While the longevity for us is all built into our base hourly wage, the uh, max hourly wage right now at uh, United Airlines is 48.75 as compared to 55.45 at American Airlines and 54.45 at Southwest Airlines. The other comparator obviously is Delta Airlines who are at 51.72. So really what we achieved here was uh, Delta Airlines plus well at least a 7, probably closer to 8, 9%. And that's before we speak to the profit sharing that uh, we'll speak to in a little bit. So with compensation, when we look to uh, our facilities and GSE mechanics, their compensation is going to be at the highest in the industry. When we look at, especially when we look at facilities, I know there's a lot of comparisons out there at the Southwest Airlines. I can tell you the facilities folks at America will be making uh, nearly $20 an hour more than the Southwest Airlines facilities maintenance mechanic. So, uh, Mike, give us a rundown on the MLS wages. Sure. Let's start with the crew chiefs, which is same as your group, but it's they're up to two twenty per hour, and then they'll climb to two forty per hour. That's up from the dollar seventy five they're currently getting. The uh, base rate for the MLS, their comparator for us was Delta. So we're making Delta wages at thirty two thirty nine and. We were we managed to shave a few years back off where they were originally were at. Uh, it's at the completion of your tenth year now, but each step would be obviously making more than the current steps now. So our, again, our comparator was Delta. Where we're above Delta was we're also getting a dollar line premium for all line stations, as well as a fifty cents skill premium for all MLSs. So basically, we're uh, at a minimum a dollar fifty above Delta currently. We also have drivers pay built back in, not like the old days. However, it's to compensate the MLSs are going to be required to, to drive the heavier trucks. The company went out and bought trucks that were over ten thousand and one pound, but under the twenty six thousand and one pound limit that you would need a CDL for. So these in-between trucks require what's called a medical certification. Uh, you can go to your own doctor, care now, whatever facility you have there, and you have to have this form filled out. That basically is what the 50 cents is for. It's operating those, what we call the in-between trucks, over 10,000 pounds. Uh, not much, but at least got some language back in there for driver's pay on that. Okay, and then we also have the MTS group. Which is, uh, so they're going to top out year 7, 8 at 57.08. And then inside of all this, we also have the shift premiums are back. And it's still the same shift premium that where we left off on shift premium prior to 2003 at 51.58. 51 being for afternoon shift, 58 being for midnight shift. That's pretty much standard for the industry. Southwest is a little bit above us at 12 cents more an hour in the afternoon shift and 13 cents more an hour on midnights. Uh, we're a little bit above Delta Airlines, so pretty much average for the industry. I would also add in the uh, inside the maintenance ranks, there is a run-up in taxi premium, $1 an hour. That's going to need some further explanation as I'm working with the representatives on the floor on how to make sure that we are being paid for that. There's also a fuel tank premium of additional dollar an hour that if you are working in a fuel tank, you'll be paid all-time on that job at an extra dollar an hour. Again, that's something I'll be working with your representatives on. So moving on to the next article's profit sharing. Profit sharing, we did match what 
Delta Airlines pays as far as the, the formula. Obviously, this past year, we didn't make nearly the amount of money that Delta Airlines made, so it would not pay as much. It's all based on profits. It goes without saying that we're in an unusual time that we just went from predicting pretty big profits to really a who-knows-at-this-point scenario. But that said, if and when, and I do believe when, the airline starts making uh, profits again, that we do have a tie for what is the best profit-sharing formula in the industry. So when you look at the other profit-sharing formulas in the industry, United has one that's, uh, well, it's much of an improvement on our, over our current one, but not nearly as good as Delta. Southwest, uh, their formula is actually pretty interesting in the fact that, like this past year, they were able to get 12.2% in profit-sharing. However, they're required to put the first 10% of that, so 10 out of the 12.2, into a 401k type retirement plan. So what they're really bringing home is 2.2. Now, you're always free to put your money into a 401k with the profit sharing formula going forward, but it's not a requirement like it is at Southwest Airlines. So Article 18, overtime. What's unique about this article going forward, there's a 24-hour clock. So essentially, when you first badge in, that's when your clock starts. That said, there's no more bypassing you for overtime because you're going to be on double time and somebody else is going to be on time and a half. Uh, That was the rule even before the first round of concessions back in 2003, where if the company was able to find somebody at time and a half, they were able to bypass the double time worker for the time and a half worker. So that rule goes away. So Mike, you want to speak to that? Yeah, an example of that, Gary, because everything will now be by hours. Perfect example would be if I'm a Monday through Friday guy and I'm on afternoon shift overtime on Sunday. Current contract, I would be ineligible for midnight overtime because I have to come back for my day shift on Monday. However, going forward, if I'm still low man on hours and I will sign up for that Sunday midnight shift, uh, I'm still low on hours, so I would be up again for the overtime and work another eight hours overtime. With language in the overtime articles now, if you can only work 16, the company would then have to send me home uh, for paid rest, basically, and pay me the eight hours I normally would have worked at a straight time rate. So also contractually now, we're going to have the overtime guidelines as well as field trip guidelines as well as shift swap. Everything's going to be contractual. So there's no more policies or station agreements. Everything will be in writing, you know, in detail about the hours, the hours paid, charging of overtime, calling of overtime, the snapshots, signing up. All of that's in writing and their new work brain is going to be able to handle all of this, so we're told. One last thing on overtime is, so say you're on a 10-hour shift and they ask you for four hours overtime. The first two hours will be paid at time and a half. The next two hours will be paid at double time because everything is based around this 12 hours. Once you exceed 12 hours, you're on to double time. Okay, and then moving into field trips. So the time paid for field trips will be one and three quarters pay. That will actually start two hours in advance of the trip. So say you're on day shift, you come in at 7 a.m., they ask you for a trip that leaves at 11 at 9 o'clock. Uh, even though you're on straight time, you'll convert to time in three-quarters time because now you are on the field trip. There's pay in there for per diem. It's a 16 hours. After 16 hours, you can go to a hotel and be paid straight time. 
to get you to rest. That's something new that we haven't had. A lot of other work groups have always enjoyed being paid while they sleep. Um, this will be the first that will be getting paid while you sleep at straight time. Next article, training. So training, just read the article, it reads pretty straightforward. But one thing I do want to point out is since there is a lot of training that's before or after the shift, if you were to work, say, four hours early colon on an eight-hour shift and then had four hours assigned training after your shift, well, the four hours early calling is paid at time and a half. You've worked eight more hours, so you're at that 12-hour mark. So the training would be at paid at double time. There's pay in the contract for CIDA badge, although it's paid straight, straight time. Interestingly enough, you're paid straight time for your CIDA badge, but for your annual OSHA exam, you're paid the applicable rate of overtime. And moving on to holidays, there are 10 holidays a year. Um, you are paid eight hours straight time on the holiday, whether you work it or not. So in the instance of working the holiday, um, you get the eight hours of straight time plus the additional eight hours of time and a half while you're working, to which makes double time and a half. Same thing for 10 hour, uh, those on four tens, you'd be paid 10 and 10. Now, in if you to work overtime, so say you are on a eight hour shift and you work overtime, the next four hours would be paid at double time and a half. If they ask you for additional time, it's just like as we spoke to in overtime, once you pass that 12 hours, you'd be paid the additional straight time for the holiday plus the overtime rate, which would equate to triple time. So we have 10 holidays a year. I'll give you a comparison to the rest of the industry. United has 10, however, four are flexed. So it's four days that they actually take off. You have 10 opportunities to work holidays. Southwest has 12 holidays. However, two of them are also flex holidays. So they have the same 10 that they actually get to work. Mike, you want to add to that? Yeah, I think one of the important points is you have to have 80 hours work in a month in order to qualify for these holidays. You, whether you bang them all out in one week, it doesn't matter, but you have to have 80 hours on record for that month in order to be paid the holiday pay, which is important for our members to know. Also new for our members is holidays will be awarded by seniority. There'll be no more equalization charts, point systems. Moving on to vacation. And uh, first off, for the newer folks, uh, there's no longer the one week of vacation. It starts with two weeks of vacation. So on the high end, the, the, there's six weeks of vacation. So we added one additional week. And then the time frame um, moving forward gets reduced two years out and on both the fifth and the sixth week. Mike? On vacations, they'll be bid by shift and shop. So if you're second shift, you bid a vacation, you happen to switch to day shift or midnights, first bid of the year, you carry your vacation with you. That'll be a change for our members as well. Round Robin is being discontinued starting with next year. Um, and like Mike mentioned, it's going to be uh, shotgun, basically shotgun by shift. Sick leave is moving back to 10 accrued sick days a year. It's at full pay, no longer to half pay. And I know there was a podcast uh, um, that the International put out a couple weeks ago, and some people had some questions on if you were to trade in your bank of sick time for money, it's at 1080 an hour is the payout. So if you had a thousand sick hours and wanted to trade it in for um, a cash payment, it would be uh, $10,800. There's also an option when you get into benefits to trade it in at 50% of your rate of pay for an HRA for retirement health expenses. 
Okay, so moving into leaves of absences, uh, very, very spelled out exactly how all the leaves work from jury duty to military. Actually, there's very good language in there or military leave compared to what we've had. Um, I'll move into limited duty. Again, very good language on somebody that was either uh, injured at work or had a, a personal illness on being able to get back to work sooner. Um, this is definitely the uh, the best language in the industry as far as limited duty. So it'll definitely help our members get back to work sooner. You got anything on that, Mike? Yeah. So this is better language. It, it, the company referenced employees who are able to perform reasonable, reasonable productive work within their classifications. So that will help having people come back to earn their uh, paycheck and stay on their benefits as well. Okay, so moving on to fitness for duty and safety and health. Um, not going to go through it in great detail. I can tell you that there's been solid improvements in both articles. Benefits, benefits for the TWU members, those in our local are the same that we currently have. It's capped at 21%. There is a look back where the company is going to have to prove up their costs every year. And there's also me twos to the pilots, flight attendants, uh, gate agents, and all bargaining units on the property that if they were able to get any of the cost down or added benefits that we would also get them too. Moving on to retiree benefits. Um, one of the big things our members were asking all along is not to be in the IAM pension plan. Uh, we were successful in not getting into the IAM pension plan. Nothing against the plan. Just it's been was a demand of our members from day one with the proposals. One rather large advantage that we have in our contract versus the rest of the industry. We have a 5% defined contribution into the 401k. What that means is that money is going into your 401k account, whether you like it or not. Um, today, we have a 5.5% match. In order to get 5.5%, you have to put in 5.5%. So going forward, you're going to have 5% automatically put into your 401k. And then there's a 4% addition that you can get if you put 4% in. By comparison, when you look at United Airlines, they still have a defined benefit plan, uh, much like our old pension. Um, that's left over from Continental Airlines when they did the merger. Delta Airlines, they have a 401k, so they get a 3% automatic contribution um, compared to our five, and they get a 6% match. So we get more money automatically put into our 401k than some mechanic or uh, MLS at Delta Airlines. When you compare us to Southwest Airlines, they're all 401k match. Um, they get zero automatic defined contribution and they have a 9.3% match. So they would have to put 9.3% in in order to get 9.3% matched. So when you look at it in real money, for a mechanic, a top scale mechanic, not a not with any of the premiums, would get two dollars and seventy seven cents addition an hour compared to somebody at Southwest Airlines automatically into their pay without having to put any addition into their four hundred one k. So when you roll this up, so a mechanic at Southwest Airlines, in order to get the full nine point three, is putting nine point three percent of their paycheck into it, while a mechanic at or stores at American 
is only putting 4% in. So a significantly larger amount of money when you look at it in the big scheme of things. Their take-home pay at Southwest will be much less than the take-home pay of somebody at American, just based on that. Um, when you look at our stores, folks, it's $1.70 an hour automatically going into the 401k. So that's $1.70 an hour that you don't have to put away yourself, especially in times like now that we're currently experiencing and you want to save money. Um, that money is automatically going into your 401k and you don't have to put an extra dollar seventy an hour away just to get that match in the 401k. One last part I want to touch on is the grievance process, so grievance procedures, system board of adjustment. Um, I would say it's definitely an improvement on where we were. I, I foresee a unclogging of a docket that we've always been dealing with when your grievance goes on to arbitration. The process should fix itself compared to what we've been dealing with under our current agreement by moving to the new language. There is a verbal step. I know management's encouraged to settle things at the verbal step. There's also going to be a lot more oversight um, once it gets to the second step. So we're going to make sure that the contract's being applied equally for all. Mike, anything? Yeah, that'll be something new for members to get used to the verbal step and on to step one, step two, and so on. Uh, and all the days are uh, written in, um, you know, the time they have to reply and the time we have to respond back. Okay. And then, Mike, is there any of the letters of agreement that you want to hit on? Yes. Yeah, there's a few letters I'd like to touch on in the stores book. The driver letter for historical purposes uh, for JFK and the three stations there. The vendor managed inventory, what we call the VMI machines, we still have a verbiage there to protect um, what can go in them. No rotables, no tooling, no, nothing over $400. We stock them. We take care of them. The vendors don't come on, on property. And the last one I'll touch on is the one that's getting, seems to be the most attention right now. It's the ordering of parts with the new scepter system. In, this, in negotiations, the the discussions were around ordering of parts for mechanics say on an airplane, working a flight, getting the plane going, not not being expected to come off the plane and find a phone, jump in a truck, drive to stores. So being able to use electronic means via his tablet that he has assigned, those were discussions that took place. Um, so that will be a change for us, the mechanics being able to order parts off their tablet. But it's just within confined circumstances, like the one I just gave for an example. All right, so basically, in conclusion, this is going to be a whole new book that we're going to have to get used to for the stores people. There's a lot, lot of good in this contract, good money. I would just ask that each MLS take the time to read it, form your own opinion. There's good. There's stuff in here you'll agree with. There, there's stuff in here you won't agree with. But overall, look at the contract as a whole and make your decisions uh, and vote accordingly. That's all I ask that you do due diligence, as they say, and, and educate yourself on this and make the, the right choice for you and your family. So just to follow up on what Mike's saying, it's, it is important that everybody reads the contract, read every single page of it. People ask me the question of overall, what do you think? I mean, the truthful answer is pretty solid contract. When you look at it just on a couple of things, job wise, we've done very well. We're going to have um, the most jobs in the industry as far as mechanics, per airplane or stores uh, per an airplane. When you look at that, very solid. Including our title, what we call our Title II folks today, um, 
definitely more jobs than anybody else in the industry. I mean, when you look at the number of people that we have in uh, in these GSC and facilities jobs, uh, you compare that to Southwest Airlines, we're outnumbering them about 17 to 1. Um, when you look at aircraft maintenance, we outnumber Southwest a good 4 to 5 to 1. As a whole, when you that's when you bring an overhaul. We outnumber in the material logistics specialist world, world uh, considerably. I mean, it's like nine to one. We outnumber, uh, say, Southwest Airlines. So when you look at jobs, uh, we definitely did the job on keeping the jobs. Uh, vacation, no, we did not achieve the seventh week of vacation, but we did uh, achieve a six week of vacation. But when you add in the fact that our wages are the best in the industry, you can easily say mechanics are Delta plus eight if you wanted to, or Southwest plus a buck an hour. Um, MLS, it's about Delta plus 4%. So, and on top of that, you add in the Delta profit sharing. So, and that's not even including the guaranteed money going into your 401k that uh, others in the industry have to pay out in order to get that match. So significantly higher wages across the board. But, I mean, this is your choice. Uh, You need to read it. Um, understand it. If there are questions, please um, send them to info at local591.com. We're coordinating with the International and the Association also to get these answers and put them onto the website. If not, if I know the answer, I'll definitely answer it uh, right back to you. Same thing with uh, MLS with Mike. In the meantime, uh, in light of what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic, please um, take all precautions and Most of all, be careful out there. One last thing I do urge you to do is to vote. Our concerns have been heard at the TW International's level. We thank them for having the online vote and listening to our members' concerns. And I implore you to please, please vote. Let's have the highest turnout of a vote ever. Thank you. For more information about TWU Local 591, go to local591.com. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at info at local591.com. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of Local 591 Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcaster, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Local 591 podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, local591podcast.com forward slash podcast. Music provided under license by pond5.com. The Local 591 podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingle.